Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Taking a look at Jack Kirby's Heroes and Monsters Artist Edition. We already did the monster portion of this. Going to take a look at the hero portion. Twice up artwork, but first you guys got to know that our videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make on the stands today. Get your hands on Red Room the Antisocial Network and Red Room Trigger Warnings. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room universe. Each of these books contains four full self-contained stories plus 70 pages of additional material and I'm serializing new content on my Patreon uh, every Tuesday. Three bucks get you the archive there, more than 300 pages worth of uh, comics up there as we speak. And Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness in issue format, retelling the complete history of the Incredible Hulk and it's going to be getting that Treasury Edition format in early 2023 which is rapidly approaching and Jimmy has Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback back in stores right now as we speak new printing you have no excuse not to get it uh, we need you to buy our books to keep the lights on in the kayfabe studios and I'm gonna be at Tokyo comic-con at the end of uh, November last weekend in November already getting uh, hit up for commissions and things like that so uh, if you're in the region come by the comic-con holler like you know me hey before you take these away we talk a lot about size and uh, whenever we talk about this is the big Jack Kirby book, it's known as Two Up. Yeah. That is how they used to draw comics. The EC comics were drawn this way, double the size of the printed page. And you can see it perfectly illustrated because here's your comic book. Twice as tall, twice as wide. There it is. As a regular comic. That goes away, I guess, in the late 60s. Mid to late 60s is whenever they switched that to one and a half up. And so smaller art. And there's always the story of Kirby's first time working the smaller size goes to lift the page up and half of the half the artwork is still on the drawing table which sounds like <laughs> pure kayfabe yeah yeah i don't think that's a true story but that is the story that uh i have heard that more than once and obviously that 11 by 17 piece of paper uh, is less pencil mileage and when you got a jack kirby who's laying out eight books a month for people drawing four or five of them give the guy some help yeah for sure so right off the bat amazing cover this is one of the short lists for best artist editions, in my opinion. Absolutely. I love seeing this art twice up. And I think depending on what your era of Kirby is, it's hard to argue with this being as good as he ever is. Not too long ago, we interviewed Dan Klaus. And behind him, I just kept staring at a pile, a stack of artist editions behind him, underneath his new book that he was I was going to say, behind his stack of original art, his future <laughs> artist edition uh, material. And... Uh, Ask him, Dan, what guilty pleasure ones do you have, man? Do you got a Jim Starlin joint? He's like, no, but I do have the big Jack Kirby one. And this is the one that he means. Yeah, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. I mean, oh, the end pages, this is three feet across. You know what I mean? <laughs> You'll never see a Kirby piece. Well, that's not true. The Kirby Museum has some big pieces. But I love seeing these kinds of brush strokes blown up to this scale. And it still looks good. You're still getting very sharp points on the end of your lines. Oh, yeah. Like all those radiating lines, they're razor sharp on the tips. And that thing must be blown up, I don't know, five, six times. This is another one. I love these kinds of pieces. Just gigantic zoom-ins on a detail of the artwork. So good. We were just at Baltimore Comic Con, and, and uh, Scott Dunbeer was there armed with a laptop and the biggest scanner I've ever seen. Just having <laughs> dudes coming up to him, scanning artwork for potential possible future artist editions. I can never thank Scott enough for that these things exist. Yeah. Talk about a gift to comics history. Dick Ayers on inks for a portion, Frank Giacuia on inks for a person, George uh, Rusis. 
chick stone. That's classic, uh, classic anchors. Classic anchors out of like that 50s monster stuff into the superhero early years. Yeah, and that's kind of what this what's, what this era is. It's an evolution of their, their monster books. I think the, the Ant-Man feature is one of the early features that, uh, you know, it's a mad scientist. Anything that shrinks is like such a good gimmick. Absolutely. And we're going to see it in this story as we go through. But yeah, it's uh, you're, you're right. Like you can see the monsters around him and those ants. I had a comic uh, that I used to make when I was a, a, a kid called called Tidbits. And it was like a little boy character that, that you know, I had all the best play sets at the time. The G.I. Joe headquarters, the, um, the Ghostbusters, uh, HQ, um, Dick Tracy car toy models. And I'm like, man, if I could only like drive all this and if I could only like use this fire pool, you know? You're doing uh, company crossovers. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Ayers up, up front. Look at that, dude. The amount of detail on these pages is, is kind of startling. It really is. Look at this. You're getting glimmers of Jack, what Jack Kirby grows, grows into being. Like this is really capturing that, that early evolution. And it is very detailed. Uh, he's not doing eight books a month at this point. Could take a little bit more time in. And the ink is all over the place. Like, you know, like some of it is very, I don't want to say raw, but this is inked fast. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like certain parts of this you can kind of see. And I think they know it's going to reduce down and what that's going to look like whenever it's reduced. And as a result, what is it? Pencil, pencil tight and then ink the hell out of it? Is yeah, that yeah. The... I, I'm guessing that we're doing Marvel Method already at this point because the visual storytelling is is so on point here. This is your argument for it too because you do get to do visual storytelling as opposed to if a writer writes this, they may not be thinking in these terms of like, okay, how do we maximize showing his little, how small he is. This is just gorgeous. Like, I'm surprised that's not a blown up panel somewhere. Sure. But even those panels, it feels like Kirby's going out of his way to make Ant-Man even smaller within the panel. Absolutely. We're seeing some real interesting marks that are vestiges of the 60s here. Dick Ayers, like, certainly inked them a very particular way. And he's the favorite inker of a lot of people. When, when I ask Los Bros who your inker is, uh, they say Dick Ayers. Yeah, it's definitely, it feels like, depending on your era of when you got into this stuff or what you were able to get your hands on first, big in impact on who your uh, favorite's going to be. <laughs> He's a superhero, baby. <laughs> Possesses all the same powers. See, this is what I'm talking about, though. Like, he's so small in that in that panel, and it happens over and over. You know, it's not always showing something big, but it's always really making him look small. Yeah, how about that sucker right there? Yeah, it's incredible. It's not just an attractive title. Yeah, this is one of those great ones where you get to get into the details. That's the other piece whenever you do like the small world, the miniature, the shrunken. Then you get to see the giant rope rope threads, the thumbnail. This is one of those things, man, that you don't really like realize it until it's time to, uh, you're tasked with doing something like that. Uh, you almost never have to draw shoes at this size. So you kind of like have your shorthand for what mm -hmm. shoes are, but then you get a close-up. Now, now you, you need to go look at some Birkenstocks, man. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great shoe. Um, this is your blow-up panel from the beginning of the story. So that piece blown up to full-size page. The ants dropping dookie inside the gun barrel. <laughs> Just drawing little dabs, man, to communicate the ants. Like you establish them. Then when you pull back, you know what those little dots are. 
Yeah, I feel like this is inspired by bad ink, bad uh, printing of the time <laughs> period. You know, you'd always see like missing eyeball on, on peanuts or something, or you'd have those extra specs. A lot of, I, I wouldn't call them money shots exactly, but I feel like so many of these panels, like you could just pull them out and blow them up. Yeah. Now we're getting a little later and more established into what, what, what Kirby is. And there it is off the bat, dude. Yeah, there's your end pages. And look at the, uh, almost the chisel tip on some of these folds in the clothing. It reminds me of that Nightingale line idea where it's like it you're taking the side of the brush and, yeah. and pointing it. Yeah. This is one of those stories where I feel like the inking is, it's wild. You start looking at the close parts of these inks. Starting to establish that the, the chunky blacks yes. in uh, the in the art, the tech, yeah, the cosmic, it's it's all in here. How great is this for kind of a, a I feel like this is that point of view that you'll see on, say, a Joe Quesada cover, where you're right. getting like the buildings merging and stuff like that very strange, like worm's eye view. Pretty cool for just random panel on, you know, page three. And I do think that Kirby, uh, you know, he's not concerned with vanishing points. No. So it's all about eyeballing. But I'm looking at like the crowd and it's such a good depiction of a crowd. He also does this move where like this is carefully inked and I guess this isn't him. It's probably Giacoa. I think so, yeah. But then your background, one line weight, like a pen right. yeah. doing the background. The cover is built that way as well, that cover image. And it's something that I think if you're thinking about ink and how ink works in terms of depth, it's a good example of it. It's true. That cosmic cube always creates a opportunity for interesting lighting stuff that really gets uh that really gets adopted by uh, gene colon yeah some some years later that's a spectacular page all around having your your golem figure there in the middle it's really great it's interesting to see some gene colonisms here where these guys kind of overlap yeah and some of it might just be uh geoquia because there's certain images that feel rooted in 70s actually like hey, that feels like a 70s image. yeah definitely uh I, I just wanted to point out the lettering yeah because we're going to see some some of this classic iconic lettering and i love that stuff big image you know that's a splash page especially in the new size paper that's an action figure waiting to happen see that's one of those odd inking jobs right and like, it's how, a, how it's do you a have classic energy? kirby how yeah. do you do energy uh blowing up or something that so is, inventive, man. That's just not something that's done anymore. He created the vocabulary of like what superhero comics kind of is. So you could convince me this is Gene Colan. I know what you mean. It's neat to see that because I, I really like Gene Colan and I think he's underrated, but I think he does the same stuff Kirby does just in his own style. Yeah. He really bends figures in uh, space. Here's the fun shit too, yeah. man, is seeing what he is writing in the margins. The Thor one is real good for this. There's so much marginalia to absorb and and get a better grasp on the division of labor. Yeah, those notes are so valuable. Look at that, man. Skull yells, uh, I can't destroy you until I free myself. Island splits and separates us. Cap here is rumbling. I cannot destroy you until I have freed myself. Written by Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> what a composition right there. You know, they always tell you, like, avoid the center composition, like the center of the image, but you can't argue against that for that for that moment. Yeah, people are, are, uh, are wrong with, with their rules. Yeah. And uh, this is another one of those elements that you don't realize that how hard it is until you have to do it when you draw terrain and you got to communicate that stuff or water water's tough 
Yeah, Kirby's great at rocks. Might be, might be one of the best dudes at rocks. They're so geometric and, and uh, abstract. Giaquia hitting it with a little bit of white to give you the smashing waves. And just look how simple that stuff is. You know, we've seen that a million different ways with lots of white out dabs and things, but handling it in light, like that reads. It's a beautiful line too, that thin swooping line. That's almost an animation line. This stuff reminds me a lot of Kniff. Like yeah. whenever you'd see like the mountains Absolutely. covered in snow. On the, and the Himalayans. Know, you know, Kniff is somebody that Kirby appreciated and I'm sure inkers too. Mm -hmm. If you're inking with a brush, like Kniff is probably where you're starting. Back to some Dick Ayers. I wonder if these are pages that are uh, ethically sourced, like coming from, you know, Kirby's hands to whoever bought these. And if that is the case, Marvel's a bunch of punk. Like, they, they give him all the Human Torch pages, you know what I mean? Like, that's some punk shit. Like, like if, you know, the, the whole thing is, like, he didn't get, he only got a very small percentage of his pages back. And if it's all Human Torch solos stories, man, that's real messed up. There may be notes on where this art comes from in the back. Sometimes they include that. But this is another early... if it actually came from Kirby's estate. Yeah. Because... I mean, like you say, it was a very small percentage. I think single-digit percent of what Marvel gave back to them. Yeah. You wonder at some point if these artist editions are used in court. It's like, this <laughs> is still an art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where'd you get this scan from? <laughs> Signed, though. That seems like a good sign. That's true. Yeah. Kirby signing off on it. Can't be too upset, hopefully. That's cool language for the torch, too. Easy to take him for granted, but whenever you think, like, you're drawing dudes that look like this in terms of shadows and weight, and then torch is a complete different language. Yeah. Certainly established by Carl Burgos mm -hmm. after many, many years of trying to figure out what the human torch was. I love the moment-to-moment -moment, uh, panels that happen in Kirby. When, when I see the Kirby moment-to-moment -moment panels, it makes me think of the Understanding Comics, the the um, the charts, Yeah. Uh, where... He, Scott McCloud establishes the different kinds of storytelling rhythms and then shows you the matrix of how these guys... Also, we talk about Kurtzman a lot on here. Yeah. And that's also, I think, of that moment-to-moment -moment as being a Kurtzman thing, especially if it's a physical... If you're showing something physical, like a bullet melting. Yeah. Look at that, man. Just, just not even worried about reference. Like, let me right. just come up with some cool shit out of my head. He's able to shorthand all the space, but it still reads. It's true. The space and the depth is all there. You mentioned him not rolling out maybe perspective lines, but it still reads that as 3D. It does. Yeah. Yeah, that's very believable, that space. We're starting to get that very bold inking. You know, I can't wait to get to the Chickstone issue because he was one of my favorites of, of this period. And he has that like Bruce Tim thick brush. I always like that Giacoa stuff because I had like one when Essentials came out, I got that Captain America Essentials and yeah. he inks a lot of it. And it's the same deal. Like any of that stuff, you know, what do, what do you find first? Search of Furies are always the racket comic because I have like maybe three issues that were all different numbers, all reprinting the same story. Yeah, also, I can remember when I decided I needed Sergeant Fury comics. It was yeah. probably, like, late on a Saturday night. <laughs> Went to Flea Market the next day. That's exactly the comics I found. Sure. Like, you always find those, and it's usually, like, somebody's uh, parents selling them where their kid was in the Army or Marines or something like that. Yeah. 
and you almost never get the Kirby ones. It's always Dick Ayers doing the complete job. Look at that man fully redoing a face. Yeah, not I haven't seen a ton of whiteout. Little bits here and there. Some of the blow-up panels in the front had it, but like on this two-page spread, I think that's the only whiteout is that guy's face. How about these marks, dude? It's jagged. That's like a marker of some kind, I it think. It does look like a marker. Yeah, the inking here is very strange. Because even that light line looks like it could be a pen. Yeah, still pretty early, you know? Still pretty early. Yeah, these are very dead lines. Very, mm -hmm. very tech pen-like. Man, everybody has shorthand, though. Like, the cloud shorthand. Love this, like, falling to the ground. Yeah, that's always mesmerizing, man. Usually, like, flying over Arizona is the fun stuff when you see those Othello uh, tokens on, on mm -hmm. the ground. <laughs> this is great, though. This is the same thing I said about having that deadline as your background. Yeah. Same deal, because, I mean, look how much those figures pop above the, the deadline of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those things that when you're getting started, the it feels like hackery not to, like, touch all the background lines to the character and shit. And you notice, I remember as a kid, like, noticing, like man, they, they were rushing. They, they didn't touch the characters with those background lines. Like there is a, there is a very specific purpose for that. You know, this class does that. And, uh, and like, I would, I would copy that for a long time. Cause I'd look at it and be like, I don't totally understand it, but I like how this looks. He does what? Does not touch lines a yeah. lot of times, especially like background lines to a figure. Yeah. Or for around sure. a figure. Most guys don't like, like a lot of dudes don't. And, and certainly before that crumb is the dude. Cause you just imagine the hatching. And he still hatches the background, but he just will fade it. And he'll allow the most space, the most air around his foreground figures. And it, there's no problem. Especially a piece of black and white art, like where you're not coloring it. So you don't need to know where the, the buildings end and stuff. So we always talk like 70s and how like Mike Royer, you know, the fa most, most faithful to Kirby's pencils. I feel like when you see a face like this, super faithful. Because you're getting that craggy, like chisely face. And not softening it, you know, it's maybe the reason we get white out on this face, because maybe it goes too far in that direction. This, But this is like a chiseled out of stone kind of face. This guy's whole, like this whole character's face is redone by the bullpen. Mm -hmm. So It totally is. Very soft. So I think it's like, we need a handsome guy, and maybe Jack Kirby did his version of, uh, you know, Gene Autry or something, and it just didn't work. So they had to get uh, some, some bullpen fella. That feels like Frank Miller to me. I know what you mean. Yeah, sure. And I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but there's some, that eyebrow or something. These spare lines here harken back to the Simon Kirby days. Mm -hmm. That kind of drapery like that you would see with uh, Joe Simon over top of it. If you just showed me that panel, that could easily be the Simon Kirby yeah. era. Yeah, absolutely. That's a weird thing that they were able to do with Kirby doing several books a month. Sergeant Fury feels totally different than like the Captain America yeah. or Ant-Man, you know, any of that stuff. And I realize it's a different inker, but it feels like more than just a different inker. Like, I wonder about Kirby channeling a different yeah. style a little bit. Jimmy, how hard is it to draw tire treads, man? <laughs> yeah. Ain't that a bitch? Look at that whole panel. It's like a couple of bombers flying by, some some kind of heavy cannon ordinance thing. You wonder how much he's thinking back. That Jeep looked really good, too, in the yeah. next panel. The tanks. All of this stuff is very uh, atypical. But look at this. The stripes? Yeah. How simple is that for a mark? Yeah, I mean, just even going over the holding line of the chest, just psh, 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 get it in there quick. Damn, this is almost uh, Kurtzman-ish. Yeah, there's a lot of these little moments like that. Like this, com <laughs> complete simple kind of panels. But you can imagine either of these coming out of a Kurtzman War comic. This is getting fucked up. Like, <laughs> like how are you improving Jack Kirby with this? 
Yeah, man, that's the stuff that doesn't age. You know, you think in hindsight, like, who's correcting this Kirby character? Who's even ordering that? You I know? mean, Jesus, come on now. Yeah, that's Stan Lee, man, putting his boy in check. Damn, another Kurtzman like Mark. Yeah, those heavy, like, one thin line and then the heavy brush line. And it's a rubberiness. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder if there is a certain mandate. Like, hey, those those EC War books are pretty good. I was looking at this face in prep and how much it's, um, so, like, the lines on that face are so bizarre. Yeah. Same yeah. with that hand. Oh, yeah, the hand is, uh, it's, it's squat. Like, what do we think of Kirby if this is the only comic we have of his? You know, it'd be a different, a, a very different evaluation. You made you made the argument of outsider artist uh, at, at one point, and you see it here. There it is, dude. Like, look how generic. It almost looks like David Gibbons, actually. Doesn't that? Yeah. There was one earlier that I thought of Toth, but it is, uh, I guess, the clean-cut All-American boy that they're put, trying to put in there. Yeah, Gibbons is, uh, is not bad. Wow. So much white out on that one. Yeah, and and with some of the shortcomings of the of the inking, it, ha it has to do with the the, the the white substance that's put down there. Uh, it it's it takes a while to find out the best white, you know. White I still out. haven't found one. I think the leader number two is is the one because you could ink over. It goes on smooth. It dries fast, and you could ink over top of it almost as smoothly. You have to do some accounting for uh, a little bit extra boldness that uh, shows up on, on the page, so you just account for that, you'll, you'll be good. But uh, I can imagine that this is chunky shit, like, you know, it's topographic. You know what's weird is you can see some black line on here. Yeah. And I don't really understand, his hair's like, down? Is oh, that I what see. you're seeing there? Is that what he's getting, like a different haircut? Because look, it's it, you can see a little bit there too. Yeah. Oh, was he, was he fucking burnt? I don't know. I don't know what those lines indicate. It's like, yeah, it's like, it looks like meat, like marks, mm -hmm. you know, rather than like hair. Right. I don't know, man. You pose an interesting question. But see, no, there's a part right there. I, I see the part that's ink. <laughs> it's like a, uh, what, what's that haircut? Like the Beatles haircut by <laughs> uh, a soldier? I was thinking Mo Howard. <laughs> Look at this piece of pop art, Jimmy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Boy, Lichtenstein must not have seen that one. I know. There were some Jesus. good effects there with the planes too, with like the uh, propellers and everything. Drawn, is that a camel? It's several camels. <laughs> Another book that we're doing today has camels in it. Now name the third book ever that we've done with camels. I can't think of it, but somehow we've got two books today with camels. <laughs> but like, imagine like what it takes to be a comic artist. You're drawing tanks and airplanes on one page. Now you gotta draw camels. Now you have to draw some kind of a Middle Eastern feast. Is this the reason Kirby doesn't stick around, Sergeant Fury? Mm. If you're if you're putting out four or five books a month, it does seem like this is the one that needs some research. Right. Wow. Yeah, turn a page in and you say that, right? That's the thing everybody always jokes about, right? Like the writer can write one sentence about the, the big battlefield scene that's full of all of this detailed equipment, and then the artist has to go spend two days drawing all this stuff. Yeah. Great depth as well, communicating all the stuff that you mentioned, man, where you got the bold uh, foreground elements and then just straight up line art in the back, all these Quonset huts and things. Great perspective on that. You feel, you feel the curve of the earth. You know, you feel a roundness. Yeah, it looks massive. And then by just adding this dude right here, you create so much more depth. 
Yeah, you're standing on the ledge with him up up above this whole thing, surveying what's uh just a master of composition. You see like the marks on here on yeah. this crate? They're just like quick dashes. Yeah, it's very uh interesting too that you have like two sets of blacks cuz like uh the the rule is white, black, gray. Mhm. Mm and I guess this is black. Yeah. And that's gray. Or they're not even, or 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 they're, this is uh, the reason they make up the rule. Yeah, you know, because you're getting guys that are doing not following it. Just so generic in DC Comics looking. Yeah, that that's really weak. This is pretty great for again tank reference, but now we're in the middle of it. You know, you go from this aerial shot to this middle where characters are running through between them, so you get tank detail in the foreground, fair amount of detail in the background, and figures running in between. Yeah, and it actually lacks, lacks the clarity that, mm -hmm. that we were uh, mentioning, which suggests to me, I've been in that situation myself a couple of times, where you're just in there and having fun, D just doing some drawing regardless of storytelling uh, consideration, and you're like, ooh, I want to draw this tread, I, I learned a cool texture for treads, I'm going to try that out, and then at the end, it's like, well, the colorist will save it. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they did. Um, but you're right, because we've talked about, like, just do line mm -hmm. for the background. So, you know, would it save it if this row had no blacks but just lines? Yeah. Who knows? And all those lines are touching our guys, too. So in terms of clarity, it's not the most clear. It isn't. You have you have the, the black, gray, and white on all three layers. Exactly, and yeah. And you just can't do it. It's almost impossible to do it that way. Yeah, and worth and worth saying that when we talk about that black white gray, it is also like something for foreground, middle ground, background. To this consider. is a pretty fun foreground, middle ground, background. Yeah, <laughs> and probably that's another one saved by the colorist because you get flesh tone on those foreground arms. Right. Man, this is another one that feels like Frank Miller to me. Sure. That head is real big. <laughs> and, and you know, we're busting on the bullpen guy who did this. It might have actually just been Dick Ayers. His, his guys have that generic kind of quality. It's so funny because it looks different from page to page. Like that one, I see a little bit of Gil Kane in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one where it's like, you know, Hollis Mason when he was young Night Owl. There's another center composition. The centers that you're not supposed to have, but that feels good. It feels like they're they're racing towards us. This one too, man, because it's like these guys are coming in from stage left and right and fucking smack right in the middle there. You got the gunshots coming up. Like, look at the simple language for that, and we, and we know what this evolves into in in comic book idiom. You know, mm -hmm. American comic book idiom. You're getting spatter. You're getting uh, like white fucking. I, I look at that and I go like, cut to cut to 1993 and Stephen Platt. Right, where exactly. you got a million shells and a million impact points everywhere, little explosions everywhere that, that gun is hitting. Or as uh, Todd McFarlane puts it uh, in that video where they're creating overkill, bullet, <laughs> bullet wounds in the wall. Yeah. Those can be effective. See, there's a nice background where your tank is black. Yeah. This is always sharp for communicating 3D where you don't have holding lines, but you just have uh, some shadow hatching to to give you the volume of that helmet top using a lot of like he hasn't created kirby crackle yet but you're seeing the germs of it you do established by by airs it feels like here's some more like you take the face away uh but miller would lay his blacks down like that this is wow this is um 
like power comics almost uh-huh. that inking where it really is like i have a pen line that's light and then i have like it's it's the sharpie with two ends you right. know with the fine line yeah, on the one chisel, side the chisel tipper yeah you get it here and and it, it i mean you can't not think of kurtzman yes like he established that in in, in american comics language this is always such a great Kirby trope too, or you got your like tricorn hat guy. You get, <laughs> yeah, you know what, what, what this what this Neil Neil Gaiman call it the magic hat theory. Like give like literally gave the dude magic hats, and I think he even might have cited Jack Kirby as like the creator of magic That's hat. Hilarious! Theory. Wow. Yeah, these zoom in panels. I love these pages. It's Chickstone's a good guy to zoom in on too, man. Like you know he's he's Senate light. You know, he's got that very, very sharp, tight uh, ink brush. You see it on these radiating lines, because you talk about, like, thin, thick, thin. I mean, he's doing it at a, at a pretty fine level there. Yeah, you, and, and this is what, what separates him from Sinnet, because Sinnet's tighter. Yeah. Sinnet would be much tighter. Well, this is impossible, because, you're, you're, you know, like, if you're doing it to the edge of a panel, you got a thick line you can at least buffer it into. Sure. You've got a thin little round line, like, that's, that is a... These are t- way tougher than they look. I'm just saying he's, and then doing he's, it on top of a thin line. I'm just saying he's freehanding these. Yeah. Senate doesn't freehand that shit. Uh, but I like that blob. Chick Stone, real good for always keeping in mind to have that big, bold outer stroke and then the thin mm-hmm. tick marks on the inside. Like, like, I would love to talk to Bruce Tim and see if Chick Stone, like, just corroborate that for me, man, because it feels so so close you also like i can't look at this and not think of all red thinking absolutely yeah all red same principle man that thick bold outline with with small details on the inside uh-oh bullpen giving uh, gene gray f- fresh hairdo <laughs> that's a shame too because what a fun panel and then she's like practically photocopied in Chickstone not doing great on separating foreground, middle ground, background. Very much there. Yeah, Le- you lose leave, that tree. Leaving that up to the colorist. Yeah, I wonder if you uh, silhouette that tree, if that would be something that would bring it out and maybe get rid of like the black windows. Hey, we're doing two comics with Mastermind in them this uh, week also. How about that shit, dude? And knowing that Kirby probably didn't look at anything, I mean, this is X-Men 7. He's he's at the height of his output with Marvel, pretty much. Do you think that dudes, like like Kirby's looking at magazines in whatever couple minutes of downtime he has? Has like, to, like, right? Uh, almost photographic memory or something to be able to pull those kind of backgrounds out. Yeah, has to. Or just, like, super observant. Because I don't imagine he's pulling this from a morgue file. Yeah. But there's a lot of detail there. Yeah. Yeah, it's very specific. The OG Cerebro, how about that? Man, this is an iconic image to me. That's hard as hell. Yeah, that's a great, especially in the middle of the page. Yeah. It's neat whenever the pages look like they reflect that idea of you spotting blacks. Yeah, it's like really some of the only blacks on the page. I like to see the depth created by cutting these lines in front of the black there. Pretty impressive too, because it's not white out. Right. Yeah, so they're painting around it. You got your marginalia here, also. 
Yeah, I'm trying to read some of them, see if you can find like the actual uh, dialogue being used. Right. Yeah, these panels where he's really creating three layers of depth are great. We did that Greg Capullo perspective exercise thing from uh, Wizard Magazine 50, and this is totally fudging. Yes, yeah, the clown. I was looking, I was trying to figure out, like, are they, like, chest height? Yeah, there's nothing, man. No. Like, like, if he's the main figure, it's about here where you start to see the, the things starting to, you know, you see that pant line bend it down that way. So, like these people are way far down it's it's totally all over let me ask you this because because we know the rule yeah and you see it's not being there there's no perspective rule here this is fake perspective and if you put down your tracing paper it's inaccurate perspective yeah so does perspective not matter because i don't feel bad about this panel yeah not at all not at all this is stuff you get docked on by uh by by teachers and editors yes except Maybe this doesn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm one of those you. things that you can look at and be like, oh, you're wrong. I can see the horizon line. You messed up. Right. But does it matter in terms of like, I'm going to make a really good panel or I'm going to make a good comic or a good drawing? Oh, guess what? That rule that you're able to apply mathematically, useless in the, whether it's good or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the frustration when working with those editors and stuff. Because like, I remember sending in old um, submissions and this ain't me just just waxing like, oh man, I'm a genius or anything like that. But the suggestions they were making were the most boilerplate, uncreative uh, suggestions. And, right. and you can tell that they, that they have a, a rubric that they have, like boxes they have to check because they're not creative. They're editors. Yeah, and I don't say that to be um, contrary, but like realistically, we're looking at examples that defy those rules. So sure. how important, and the greatest examples. Yeah. So how, how serious are those rules? Oh man, I think Chick had some uh, Higgins, some Higgins black magic on uh, this this uh, blob right there. <laughs> a little bit light for you. <laughs> Boy, this is this page is such a good page. Loaded. This looks like um, Klaus, Klaus lettering to it me. Does. It's so perfect. That close up of Magneto, excellent. And I love it. Elephant, this is great. <laughs> Good contrapposto on that elephant, by the way. Dude, the energy in this panel, it really feels like something's erupting from below the ground. Pretty wild concept in that, those top two panels yeah. where like the stuff transforms into snakes. Right. But you see like the motion lines set it up visually. That would have to be a weird thing to get back as the writer and be like, wait a minute. What's going on here? A little Donkey Kong action there. <laughs> Man, I can't believe the amount of these panels that are in here. You know, if right. you count the figures on the pages, there are so many of these pages that are just loaded. Like 20 plus figures on a page, several of these pages. Kirby gets into that flow state. You know, he, he gets into that state and he stays there. Look at how weird this is, drawing yeah, a face and then, and then keeping it here. Super bizarre. That does not print, I'm sure. That's got to be black trench foot frostbite when it's printed. Twice Very up. Odd. Come on now. This is another one of those classic, these horizontal, like the widescreen as they were known in the early 2000s, he's, he kills these. Oh, totally. Over does, and over. Doesn't this feel Ditko-ish? Yeah, I like Specifically that. Specifically these marks. Mm -hmm. and And just... You never see a panel composition like this. Yeah. Where it's just the heads are the bottom tenth of the panel. Look at his Stepford Wive right here.
Dutch angle, dude. Hey, how much are they running out of that panel? That's that Kirby, that, that third dimension of coming towards you. Absolutely. This one feels really iconic. And also the lack of stuff over here. It's like it's set up for the letter. Absolutely. Like, like Kirby, Kirby understands what Stan Lee's going to do. Probably tired of seeing his shit get covered over, but from what I understand, he never really like looked back at his pages. Like, yeah, well, like when, when, when would you have time to look at it in print? My impression too. This is Blob getting over, by the way. Yeah. This issue. Yeah, for sure. Look at those Blob feet. That's so really disgusting. Gross. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. Like sore. sausages. Yeah. You never see tube meat. You never, you never, <laughs> you never see the feet of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, by the way. Thankfully. Tom would do these panels, man, where he would have these missiles and just come in from all angles and things. See, they look right, though. Sure. I don't know that there's any uh, perspective point. It'd be fun to, to roll these out and see where they're coming, because I don't think they come from the same vanishing point, but super believable. And if you vary your vanishing point, it does create a sense of movement, almost like the camera's panning or something. Yeah, like if you your use, head's turning. You could, you could see many examples where they do use a vanishing point, like not, not Kirby, but like Ron Friends, for instance. Oh, would, yeah, would, I mean, most people it. would use a vanishing point. I'm just saying this is the fake perspective. No, I get it. And what I'm saying is that this stuff looks, looks boring uh -huh. uh, when you use the one vanishing point. Uh, having it come from different angles, it could suggest more than one, you know. Launcher, yeah. Sure. This whole scene is pretty fun. Kirby is so, so dope motion. at creating, like he's got these characters with powers and then he always finds interesting ways to communicate story with them using their powers and never does it the same way twice. You know, little donuts around missiles. That's the only time uh, Iceman's ever done that. So when I start reading comics, this stuff is like 30 years old. We talk yeah. about like the early 90s stuff now is 30 years old. So sure. this would have been the early 60s stuff. And it felt like this was a different language. Yeah. And then I look at comics now, like get an X-Men book off the shelf now and flip through it. It really feels like a different language than sure. this. Yeah. And yeah, it's totally. such a bummer. Like this is so much fun. And it's like you say, super characters in these situations, spinning around, jumping, using their powers. I just don't get a sense of that anymore. No. And I don't feel like th this does seem like a different era, but mostly because it's not used. I don't look at this and think, oh, it's quaint. Like some golden age comics you'll look at and it's like, yeah, we've evolved in a positive way, but it doesn't feel like this is like, should be out of date. Cause you'll see like a Mike Allred kind of, you know, his figures are always falling, tumbling, moving, but almost no one else does that. This is the fun image to look at softening the focus of your eyes. You know, the way they communicate depth with line weight. Man, I love whenever he packs the team into a panel like that. Those remind me of Seth. Remember the Seth uh, when Cooper he was Skeever having... joined? Yes, <laughs> all, all those superhero heads. We uh, just recently put together a bootleg comics playlist. Ben, hit it. That's a real good subject for uh, a channel like this. Bootleg yeah. comics. Yeah. There's so many out there. And there it is, dude. No, that's not it. That ain't it. There's some more superhero shit. Yep. Those are the comics portions oh, yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, sick. But here we go with some, like seriously, this is about as good of an artist edition, I think, as you're gonna get for this. You know, like here's another, uh, I don't know, 25 great images. Hey, Doc Martin dies. What's he coloring that with? If it's dies, you know, it might be because they fade. They fade, but but uh, they can fade so quick. This was never on a wall if these are Doc Martin dies. I was looking at the face. 
and, and trying to think because I've never used them. I just know going by your description of sort of like a little overpowering. Yeah, and this this like if you were making a color Xeroxis and Doc Martin dyes, it would look like this. Yeah. For yeah, sure. that was the part that most made me think that. And he, you know, when we see his topless photos of, of painting his, his robot gimmicks, it's a bunch of those Doc Martin brown dyes right next to him. I'm so impressed by this. And it's cool that it's the cover because they spot varnish the figure and it really pops. Yeah. But if you take away the spot varnish and look at it there, it still pops. Oh, so much, man. That th those thick-ass lines, dude. Yeah, they're like live lines. Yeah. You know, for all the deadline talk that we do... You know, you see the deadlines in a lot of the background elements, but you put that brush on the figure in the foreground, there's some life there. This is nuts. The inking on this is just absolutely far out. Yeah, yeah, it has a real, like, the dudes, the Frank Springers and, and the Frank Robbins and and, uh, and those, that era of cartoonists, they really take a lot from this. All of this. Is it all Giacuia? I don't know. I gotta look real quick. Yeah, those pieces are Giacuia. He's got that... Very heavy, like huge thick lines that yeah. he would put on this stuff. Yeah, and with like no, no, no taper, you know, like mm -hmm. a flat side to it. Works so well on a Black Panther. That's a crazy cover. Yeah, it's... Somebody took the sword to it all over the place with new paste-ups and things. Yeah, this took some arranging. Yeah, I wonder if that's cutouts from inside, from, from stories and stuff. That's just beautiful. Yeah. This is probably Coletta. That back three-quarter view is some, such a bitch to draw. You know, like this kind of fading out, I feel like Mike Mignola is all over this figure. Yeah. Some really good light and dark there. Look, it's Kassar. <laughs> Kassar. <laughs> when uh, when the cartoon was out, the X-Men cartoon in the 90s, and there would be like a Kazar episode where they go to Savage Land, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm a Kazar fan. Like, I'm going to the flea market, I'm like, I need to read more about Kazar. I don't know anything about Kazar. <laughs> You were in for surprise. Yeah. It's the same thing with that Toad character. Like, I got that uh, VHS of that 1989 uh, pilot. Yeah. Never heard of Toad up to that point, because it's still early enough that it ain't in X-Force, you know? And then I'm like, oh, Toad. Like, and I'm, if I just see Toad on the cover, I'm, I'm scooping up a comic that has Toad. Yeah, I mean, you see these Super Bold's uh, captions around... Um, this, this these title letterings and it's because of uh, paste up yeah i've heard people talk about that that was something stan lee apparently was really big on like they're constantly you know putting those on changing them i would love a collection of these and i can't remember there was a letter that had a bunch and uh who's the who's the letter for these it's um, Artie simic yeah this other letter was not Artie simic but he had like a collection of stuff i guess he'd gotten from the bullpen i'm like dude make a zine share a pdf and he's like i can't not comfortable because it's not his but Shout, I love that lettering. Shouts to the B W H A M Instagram page uh, that does collect all this stuff for your consumption online. Yeah, that's a great Instagram. But I mean, talk about like the lettering being so iconic. Absolutely, it's a huge part of Marvel being Marvel. Absolutely, and I mean, I think that's the reason why like Lichtenstein started to 
really look at comic panels because because like it's the Simek type lettering that he's really using. That's a bad tangent. Sure. Yeah, you're gonna get them, man, when you're drawing eight pages a day. And then I oh, always yeah. think like this is possibly a, a, an issue with um, an inker misinterpreting a line because chances are you drew this as one line, and then maybe erased a little bit. But when you're looking at those pencil lines, you know, and you're inking probably equally as fast as the guy's penciling, so here's, you just go, oh, there's a line on his arm. Here's what I will say. It's up to the inker to save the day. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he should have figured that part out. These are the, uh, the Giacoa pages that I remember falling in love with his inks. Look at how he flattens that head, though. That is weird. But look at his eyes, even, too. Like, those are pretty strange-shaped eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's always been that way with Kirby, though, with uh, Captain America. See, like, by having that definitive stop at the end of the black creates the better volume than mm -hmm. tapering, because that just fully flattens him. Especially if you taper on both sides. Yeah. I got this in the 90s, the the uh, facsimile edition. Um, it was, I, I don't know if it's like the first crossover between teams. I, I forget why that was significant for Marvel to, to uh, you know, put that out as a facsimile edition. But this is where I get introduced to Chickstone inking. And just, I mean, he's one of my favorites over top of Kirby. The stuff like that leg. It, sometimes Kirby's like bending shit, right? Yeah. In weird ways. But you look at this, and that could be just sculpted into a figure. Yeah. Got to get a Hulk appearance in there. A little yeah. disappointed in the lack of Hulk in this uh, this collection. Monsters and superheroes. Get them in there. <laughs> sure. Those are probably all unethical uh, Kirby yeah, could pages. Be. Could be. And then the rest is probably the monster stuff that we... Uh, mm -hmm that we do look at in a different uh, video that we will link to in the description below this video. Fantastic, man. Really gets the, the, the juices flowing. Do yeah, this is take a... a look at uh, some primo original art from the classic Silver Age. Kirby establishing the Silver Age, basically, with, with uh, his vocabulary. Yeah, all these artist editions are not created equally. And like I said, this is as good as you're going to get. Yeah. And still readily available, man. I got this at like some fire sale straight from the IDW website or something. You know? It's a beautiful one. Those two ups are talk about looking at Kirby art the way it's meant to be looked Do at. Do you ever think you would have a book this size in your collection? No. Can you imagine whenever you're digging out like those dollar Kirby books and trying to figure out Kirby if somebody was like, listen, you're going to be able to look at this stuff in just minute detail one day. I remember the, the first chance I ever got to just see a Kirby original and it was like the most special thing and this is all that I need like I don't need the the object you know like having a good facsimile version of these original pages is pl that's plenty to me and it also makes me feel less stressed out because to be the custodian of that that that's a responsibility that's a very important responsibility that guys like Warren Bernard or Dave Mandel like like you don't take that lightly I wonder if Kirby's grandchildren have, you know, collections of his art. He's such a great legacy keepsake family heirloom. Yeah. You know, if they have a complete story, if all of them have a complete story or have, have pages from throughout his life. Yeah, it's a good question, man. Awesome book. Don't Glad we got to see the rest of it. Uh, you know, I feel like this is a nice two-parter. Yeah, for sure. 
Good to go? Yep. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, tell the people what's out there. Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness comic books are in stores now. Pick those up while supplies last. The treasury-sized edition will be out in early 2023. So right around the corner, but you got to pre-order that. The way printing is right now, you don't want to be left out on that. Best book ever designed. Street Angel, Deadly Squirrel Live is back in print from Image. You can get that wherever you buy comics and graphic novels. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see lots more of my comics and art. And I just posted a uh, large collection of all of my freelance covers with notes on them. So if you're into that, that side of the business, check it out. Red Room Trigger Warnings, Red Room the Anti-Social Network trade paperback in stores today. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room universe. Each of these books contains four complete self-contained horror stories, uh, along with 70 pages or so of additional material. And you can uh, read these stories, plus new Red Room stories, as I serialize them every Tuesday on my Patreon. Three bucks get you the archive there. Hit up my link tree in the description below this video to get to all of those destinations. And the last weekend in uh, November, Jeff Darrow and I are sharing a table at Tokyo Comic Con. Come on by, draw some stuff for you, sell some prints, sign your comics. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, cups, fanny packs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also below this video. So visual aids, Jimmy. There you go. <laughs> it's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jim, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.